Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Sure. Um, so just going through and just double-checking that I have everything in the interior, so that's a good point that you brought up there. Yeah, making sure toolkits, recovery mm-hmm. gear, air-down tools, those little things that we sometimes take out over winter and forget, and then you go on a trip and have a little, oh, no. And a lot of things, too, in addition to, like, testing your air setup is when you the winter's up here, you get all that grime and crud on the road, and if you didn't do your wiring nice and clean and tight and oh, yeah. great, like, check your lights, check all your auxiliary switches, check your lockers, make sure all that stuff's in working order. Chances are, if you're like me, you haven't used it in the last three months. Um, so uh, the wintertime, at least up here in our neck of the woods, can be pretty brutal on on your rigs hey guys you're listening to america's off-road podcast if you like going into the outdoors camping with your family or maybe you're building a new wheeling rig you've come to the right place thanks for tuning in keep following along check us out on instagram and facebook welcome back to another episode america's off-road podcast if it's your first time tuning in my name's kyle with me today i've got ashford what's up guys what's going on dude been a while good to have you on um, if it is your first for, for first feet, struggling today. If it is your first time tuning in, uh, welcome to the podcast. Uh, it's myself, as I mentioned, Kyle, Ash, and Cooper, and we're all outdoor enthusiasts to different levels. Um, but we love anything and everything outdoors: wheeling, riding, uh, hiking, camping, family, solo, you name it. Um. And that's kind of what we do on the podcast. We talk about our trips, our adventures, our experiences, ups, downs, crazy things. And uh, yeah, we're going to get into it. If you guys have questions, uh, one thing we like to do on the podcast is uh, user questions, topics. Um, you can email those in to kyle at americasoffroadpodcast.com. Also, we've got some new social medias oh, out yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Instagram, Facebook. All you got to do, type in America's Off-Road Podcast. Make sure you follow along because that's where we're going to post all the cool stuff we're doing. 
Uh, we got a lot of really cool builds going on in the shop and uh, a couple big trips coming up. And uh, we're going to be posting all that on America's Off-Road Podcast. You can also shoot out a direct message there. It'll either be myself or Ash that'll uh, reach out to you and let you know. But yeah, today's uh, kind of a, a fun topic that we thought of. Um, I don't know, what would you call this? Like summer prep, I guess? We thought of like a couple hours ago. Yeah, it's going to be good though. So we, I mean, we're just coming out of winter. Uh, we're up here in Spokane, Washington. So obviously we get a pretty decent winter every year and we always talk about snow wheeling and kind of how to go about that, what to do, what not to do. And all the snow's gone. We're getting ready to go it's, on. I mean, it's gone down it's, here. It's gone in the you valleys. You go up in the mountains. She's still up there. <laughs> it's, it's still, still there. wet and muddy. But uh, a lot of big things coming down. You know, a lot of, you know, Easter Jeep Safari, full-size invasion in Sand Hollow. Um, a lot of those trips are kind of coming back now, which means you're going to be out there in the rocks, in the dirt, in the dunes, um, where there won't be snow. So uh, we just wanted to kind of give you our tips tricks advice on kind of how to get those rigs ready since if you're like me most likely an overlander and you've been hibernating all winter long with everything closed and yeah put away on the shelf um so yeah let's dive into some vehicle stuff you know that's tough because it's like i i actually realized it realized it this winter more than any winter before is like every hobby i have involves good dirt or like <laughs> sunshine right so <laughs> I I used to snowboard, but I, I gave that up because can't afford to do too many hobbies at once. Oh, but, yeah, you kind of just hibernate all winter. You do. And it, it also seems kind of like in our industry, it seems like our winters were, well, this year's been crazy. The whole world's been crazy. Speaking of craziness and winter time, I guess we can thank the Oscars for some new off-road memes. Yeah, that's pretty solid. <laughs> They're coming I down the pipeline. That. Will Smith just smacking Chris Rock, and now there's all these, you know, Dana 44 with 40 inch tires, <laughs> memes running around all over the internet. So yeah, yeah like thanks, that. thanks Oscars for uh, you know if it wasn't fresh memes, it wasn't for you know Will Smith smacking was it Chris Rock? Yeah, I would have never even known the Oscars were on. Oh, I did. I found out the following day too. Uh, I appreciate like, my memes. Memes yeah. are the the new form of. And news. I was like, what's going on here? And then I looked into it and I was like, wow, he, this is actually not skidded. It was real. Uh, but yeah, anyways, I'm the same way. Hibernate Squirrel. all winter long. Um, tends to be a little bit busier, and especially with like coming out of COVID and all the weird things that was going on. Um, you know, getting products been been a tough one. So generates a lot of phone calls and everything. So yeah, yeah it's time to get out. The sun is here. It's officially spring. Time to get the toys and out. And it's time to get the toys out of the garage. Hey guys, tonight's episode is brought to you by Redhead Steering Gears. Kyle, what makes a Redhead Steering Box so good? Well, first and foremost, they are a family-owned and operated company, but they have unmatched quality. Because each worm gear and piston gear is custom fit, this allows Redhead to guarantee zero play in their steering boxes. Redhead also has over 500 vehicle applications available in their lineup and uh, is backed by a one-year unlimited mile warranty. So, if you're on the market for quality and reliability, stick to what we think is best, and that's a Redhead steering gear box. Booyah! Um, so, we'll start with kind of vehicles, going to some gear, and just some things that we like to do. Um, I know you are a solid 
moto guy. Um, but yeah, yeah. in the past, you used to have a wheeling only rig. Yeah. So what were, I, I guess you kind of did snow wheeling with that though too. Cause that was just like, did you do much snow wheeling? Oh yeah. With your Toyota? Oh yeah. We'll talk daily drivers then. Something that, uh, you're getting ready to go hit the trails. What are some things that you look at on your vehicle before either a long trip or your first time out after hibernating all winter long? So I know you've got a checklist. I got a long you're list. You're a very meticulous person. Yeah. <laughs> kind of. It's a blessing and a curse, but a little bit time consuming. But right. hey, it usually pays off because I'm knock on wood here. I'm like the guy on the trail that actually gets off the trail and never has any sort of breakages <laughs> or bikes breaking down or anything like that. So I like to say it pays off, but totally, it'll bite me in the butt someday. Oh, it, but it does a hundred percent. But um, I guess it depends. Are we talking like a wheeling, like strictly wheeling rig that sits in hibernation? All I think winter? more like an like... overlanding rig. I think that's the vast majority of our listeners, I would say, are people that are building rigs that maybe a daily driver, not necessarily strictly, because that's a whole nother conversation we can yeah. have if it's a, a wheeling specific rig. Somebody like me, you, where we take the rooftop tents off our trucks in the wintertime, put everything away, just drive to work and back. Um, yeah. When you're getting ready to say, drive to like Moab and go wheeling for a week. Just a full run through. Full run through. I like to call it a once over. I always do once overs. I, I do it before every single trip I take. Anything right. that's like more than 200 plus miles, I like to go through their vehicle. And I mean, this you know, spin this conversation off to a long one. But I, I would say the most important stuff there is to, to run down the vehicle. I try to be very meticulous with checking fasteners. Um, I mean, it goes without saying there's certain things that you should always check. Right. Uh, for example, I'm heading to Montana this weekend and oh, sweet. Uh, going to some hot springs in low, low forest. That place uh, is rad. Super cool. So it's not a long trip for me. It's going to be probably 400-ish miles round trip, but, you know, do a little once over. So perfect topic. I, I did this last night just going through my rig. Um, not bringing a tent or anything because we we're, we're ended up getting a cabin, so don't have to worry about that, but we'll touch on tents here shortly. Um, but just doing the basics, you know, checking tire pressure over winter, we had a drop in temperature and now we're getting back up in the warmer temps, checking tire pressure, especially if it's a rig without TPMS sensors where you, you might not yeah. be able to monitor what's going on. So check tire pressures, um, get in there and check all fluids. I, I feel like a lot of this stuff goes without saying, but there's probably that one guy that's going to benefit from this. They go, Oh yeah, I should probably, I should probably check that. <laughs> right. So go through fluids, you know, coolant. Brake fluid, power steering fluid, window washing fluid. Check your diffs. Go through and just check everything at that point. Um, this is a good time to do it, even if you if you don't uh, have a garage or something to do it. At least it's warm enough where you can do it outside now. Yeah. Uh, especially if you're in the northwest up here. We're starting to warm up. Uh, but just go through, check fluids. We check air pressure. Or I should say I check air pressure. <laughs> I like to go through my kit. So make sure... Things like recovery straps are in good working order. Uh, check things like my onboard air system. Make sure that it's running. Right. I checked that last night. I, I <clears throat> made sure it was operational. Unless if I had a flat. Uh, check airlines, hoses, fittings. Man, this we can go on. One for thing a, that I'm like while here. totally guilty of. I don't know if you are because I've got a family of four. So once I do, it, say you, we call it the wheeling season, our summertime, where we're every weekend going out and camping or doing something. Come wintertime, it seems like 
every time I go to like clean my truck or something, there's always something I'm like, oh, there's that. I don't need that until next summer. So I'll take it out of the truck, put it in the garage. And so little things that I have like uh, multi-tools and air down tools and stuff where I have like in the side compartments or my glove box, I tend to always in the wintertime when I'm cleaning, like, oh, I'm not going to need this for four months. I'm going to pull it out, put it in the garage. Um, So that's what I like to do on the inside of my truck is go to like all my little places where I keep everything, make sure it's there. And I always find something that is sitting on the shelf that I put away like an air down tool, something that would be crazy helpful on the trail, but small and something that's just like out of sight, out of mind. You totally forget. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Little things like that, like recovery kit, um, tool kits, air down tools. I, myself, I keep everything in my rig all year long. I think we've touched on that in the past. Um, the only thing I really cycle out is maybe some clothing and some gear like that. Um, but for the most part, I keep most of the stuff in the rig, which probably not doing me any benefit for the fuel economy side because I don't ever use it, but, uh, <laughs> it's there rather than need not have. There you go. Whatever the saying goes, you know, need so, not have and have and not need. Yeah, there you go. That one. But, um, contingency plans. I usually have multiple just, you know, one is what's what's the other one one is none and two is one and one is none there yeah, you go that one sure um so just going through and just double checking that i have everything in the interior so that's a good point that you brought up there yeah making sure tool kits recovery mm-hmm. gear air down tools those little things that we sometimes take out over winter and forget and then you go on a trip and have a little oh no and a lot of things too in addition to like testing your air setup is when you the winter's up here you get all that grime and crud on the road and if you didn't do your wiring nice and clean and tight and oh yeah great like <laughs> check your lights check all your auxiliary switches check your lockers make sure all that stuff's in working order chances are if you're like me you haven't used it in the last three months um so uh, the winter time at least up here in our neck of the woods can be pretty brutal on on your rigs yeah um, especially electronics that's a very good point I would have totally yep. missed that one but mm-hmm. electronics kind of get their they get beat up over winter because of all the road de-icer and salt and lime that's on the ground. Um, we spray all over the road ra- roadways, so it likes to mm-hmm. create a, a nice green fungus on all of the electrical connectors. So yep. definitely touch like air lockers, um, solenoids, things like that. Um, if you have e-lockers, making sure that they're operational before you go out on your trip. Right. Um, like I just did, I checked my air compressor, my onboard air system, make sure it was up to snuff. Um, go through, check the fuses, just make sure, check my battery terminals. Mm-hmm. Um, did that last night, make sure that I didn't have anything growing on them. Um, yeah, electrical system, that's a good one. And if you don't do like a regular maintenance routine on your rig, if it's your daily driver, and you, I mean, if you do regular maintenance like oil changes and stuff like that, but rarely get under there and really go through it with a fine tooth comb, now's the time to look at stuff like see if you have any leaking shocks, um, check any potential damages like it, it seemed like when i had my zr2 every time i got underneath it after a trip there was always something else where i was like oh man that broke off like yeah crap yeah or, or i'd find absolutely. something like on that truck the the lowest part of the rear axle was the shock mounts so it seemed like every trip they just got beat more and more and more till it was like i should probably get some skids for this yeah um so if you, if you don't do it on a regular basis check your shocks see if anything's leaking um i mean Take the time and just put eyes on everything underneath so it doesn't happen out on the trail. That would stink. Yeah. Don't be afraid to throw a wrench on things. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a huge fan of using paint markers. I do I this just on, say that. on my rig. So things <laughs> that are common to come loose. Like I'm not going to go around the 
the entire vehicle <laughs> and do this. Uh, but things that are common to come loose, U-bolts, leaf spring bolts, lower control arms, eccentric cams, upper ball joint, if they're a bolt-in system or upper control arm, mm-hmm. throwing a paint pen on them, it makes life so much easier because you can just go around the rig and make sure that that fastener hasn't came or, you know, worked its way loose over winter break um, or over the, the course of winter. Right. Um, and it saves you time from not having to throw a wrench on it because if the lines match up, you're good to go. Right. Carry on. Um, but good point on shocks as well. Road de-ice or things like that just destroy bushings and mm-hmm. shocks and stuff like that. So now would be a good time um, to get under the rig and lubricate anything that needs to be lubricated. Get those Take a grease peek. guns out. Yeah, get the grease gun out. Uh, upper, lower control arms, drive lines, things like that. Um, I can't believe how much they are overlooked. Me pulling wrenches for most of my life, being underneath vehicles, be surprised. Um, it got to the point to where I don't even recommend serviceable U-joints and things like that to people. Right. Because most people just don't grease them. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's better to sell them a non-serviceable joint because it's designed to be sealed. Sure. And it'll go, you know, 40, 60, 80, 100,000 miles without having to be greased. Where something like a greasable U-joint has to purge the old lubrication. So it's more likely to get contaminants in it. Right. And fail so, sooner. And fail sooner. So if you don't grease it, you're not doing yourself any service there. Um, so things like that. Get under there, grease U-joints, grease control arms. Um, I'm usually pretty good about that, trying to do it on oil change intervals. That's how I do it. It just reminds me, sure. hey, it's time to rotate tires, change my engine oil, and I'm going to check fluids and differentials, transmission, transfer case. And while I'm doing all this, I do a full lubrication. Just go front to back, go through all the grease circs, and grease them up. So now would be a good time to do that as well. And one thing you mentioned that's awesome that I was going to bring up, in case you guys have not heard of it or seen it or know what Ash is talking about when he says the paint pen, it is literally a pen that looks like a Sharpie. Yeah. And then how do you how do you mark them? Explain that. So when you say the lines, if the lines don't match up, you know something's off. Yeah, it's a it's a sharpie, but instead of being something that's not permanent, um, sharpie will eventually wear off. It's a paint pen, so it actually puts a mark of paint. You can get them in any color you want. You can buy them wherever you want, pretty much. Um, usually, uh, most of like your metal contractor um, type shops, and maybe even hardware stores would carry them. Um, but torque a bolt, let's say something that everybody is familiar with, like a control arm bolt, torque it to the spec, and then you'd take the marker and you'd make a mark, uh, a flat line that goes from the part that it's attaching to. So for think of the axle, or let's do this, upper control arm bolt, you'd make a mark on the tab of the control arm and then over to the head of the bolt or the head of the nut. So if that nut were to rotate, those lines no longer match up. So it's a very easy way that you can just walk around the vehicle. Uh, if you have good lighting, you'll be able to see it. If not, a flashlight, you can just check both upper control arm bolts, for example. And if the lines match, you know that nothing's came loose. Right. Um, super simple thing to do. Um, I don't know why more people don't do it. I got in the habit of doing it anytime I install a new part. It's just easy to be able to, again, visual reference for things that um, are trying to kind of time consuming to throw a wrench on and check where and it's kind of like almost a a safety fallback net for you you know if you are installing your own suspension definitely do that when you're installing the suspension and then if you take it to alignment when you get it back just do a quick once over not that anybody's out there to get you or do anything but somebody might have had to loosen a bolt for some reason and potentially forgot to tighten it up so 
it's just a good safety net for you to walk around. Or if you have, you know, say you install your own suspension and then you have weird noises or something starts to squeak or something doesn't feel right, you can go through and that can be the first thing you check before you start diagnosing anything. And um, it'll just help you out in the long run for sure. And, And a lot of that stuff comes like that from the factory. If you guys have never seen it before, there's some... Yeah. Some stuff that's marked like that, but I know here in the shop, everybody does it. Ash does it. Um, I believe, so most of the factories that do it is more of a, it's a mark to show that that fastener was tightened or somebody put their hands on it. Right. Which is how I originally got in the habit of doing it, was building engines. Oh. So doing things like the lower rotating assembly. We're doing the connecting rod caps Mm -hmm. um, in a rotating assembly as in crankshaft, camshaft. Uh, everything in the basement of an engine, uh, all anything that I would go through in torque where you'd go through a torque sequence. Think of like a, let's set a, say a cylinder head, since most people are familiar with cylinder head. You got 16 bolts and you have to do it in a specific order, kind of crisscross order. Right. And a lot of times you get halfway through it and you don't remember <laughs> what you torqued and what you didn't. So it takes a couple extra seconds per fastener, but if you torque it to, you know, torque to yield or torque it to the spec, throw a paint mark on it jump to the next one, pretty soon you'll be able to see exactly which ones you've touched and which ones you haven't. It's so. like the story of my life when we do bead locks. Yeah. But I wouldn't recommend doing paint marks. <laughs> on like, well. you're gonna, it's, and not only that, it's going to look terrible. Yeah, it's going to look pretty <laughs> bad. But I got in the habit of doing it, not only because, again, you can you can see if something's coming loose, so right. it's nice on the trail, and then, too, uh, kind of peace of mind knowing that I, I touched that part. Mm-hmm. This episode is brought to you by Timbo Tusk. Whether we are packing for a long day on the trail or just a simple weekend getaway, we never leave home without the Timbo Tusk. If you find yourself cooking with a Timbo Tusk and you taste a little savory, a little, I don't know, freedom, well, that's because they are designed, built, and assembled 100% here in the U.S. of A. They come in a variety of sizes and break down easily into their own carrying case. That way, things are efficient for you to pack for a trip or, more importantly, to get ready to make a meal. So, go to TimboTusk.com, use the coupon code AOPODCAST, that's A-O-P-O-D-C-A-S-T, to get 5% off your next order. Now, back to our episode. Booyah! The other thing I like to do, or would recommend that you do as well, is take the time to get some, like, royal purple or something, spray the whole underside spray the engine bay spray everything down let it soak pressure wash it off um so that way if you do have to do repair on the trail you don't have three four months of dirt and grime and everything caked on there it's royal purple yeah i mean like purple power power you never heard royal purple is yeah, that what it's called no that's like an oil brand like that they make like engine oils purple trans- power purple power there we go is that what it that's is that's like a degree you know what i'm talking about yeah it's purple liquid it's a purple power yeah yeah what is it don't use the oil guys don't throw <laughs> just take some 10w40 and just dump it all over and it no you know what i meant to say purple power i'm that's just making stuff. sure because you know there's i was one just guy using it like... the other weekend too on my boat actually i was i needed to clean my engine off so i used a bunch of purple power not royal purple so my wife thinks i'm totally batshit crazy because i'm obsessed with simple green i swear it's the best it's the best thing ever made it's like I, so I clean funky. i clean everything with it like there's dog puke on the ground Simple green. She like uses this extremely expensive carpet cleaner. It's like fifteen bucks a pint. You spray it down with I some just, simple green. Simple green, like go. one to three, uh, dilute it one to you know one to three cups or whatever the the bottle says, and 
does just as good of a job. But is that what you do when your daughters get hurt riding their motorcycles? And just slip a simple green. Just spray some simple green on Rub it. Rub some dirt on clean it. Clean that right out. <laughs> yeah. So simple green, I'm a big fan. That's how I clean most of my rig as far as like axle and stuff right. like that because it's, uh, it's I, I don't know if it's biodegradable, but it's it's not like extremely harmful like right. some of the, the hard degreasers that like rip paint off. Yeah. Um, so it's pretty friendly especially if you're doing it in your driveway or something like that where it's going to roll out into grass or something like that. You don't want to kill half of your lawn after <laughs> washing your rig, but uh, big fan of Simple Green. That's a that's a good little tech tip there. Big fan of it. And if you're cleaning aluminum, get the Simple Green. Well, it's making aluminum specifically. Yes, yeah, so for washing bikes, this is big because Simple Green itself will etch aluminum. This episode is brought to you by Simple Green. <laughs> <laughs> Just um, kidding. And they make a, it's a, pinkish purple color simple green hd works really good on aluminum so if you're trying to clean like an engine or something this stuff is awesome i actually put it in my ultrasonic cleaner and clean cylinders and things like that oh interesting totally off topic but guys don't use purple power simple green's (laughs) way better (laughs) what don't use royal purple but (laughs) but yeah i mean if if you live in a place like us where you do get the nasty winters and they put all that crap on the road Take the time, clean everything out, um, spray it down, and it's just going to make your life a little bit easier. And if you are one of the people that do paint marks, chances are after a winter up here, you are they gone? They're gone. <laughs> so it's your chance to clean them out. So if you do have to do a trail fix, you're not fighting all that grime and grease and crud underneath there. Yeah, that's um, a pain in the butt. Mm-hmm. Um, also, while doing that, um, I, I think I kind of touched on it before, but taking a peek at like. For example, if you have adjustable shocks, um, for example, like on my Tacoma, I run a uh, an Elka shock package that has high speed and low speed compression mm. um, adjusters on it. Those things get so corroded up over winter that you can't even right. turn them in spring. So you really got to pay attention to stuff like that. Make sure that you're washing them um, over the course of winter and then make sure that they function now before you get out on the trail. So if you're a guy that likes to use certain things, um, you know, like a prime example would be like a, a set of Terraflex shocks, yeah. Um, like the Falcons, where they have the speed adjusters on mm-hmm. them. They're on the bottom of your Jeep, just getting beat all winter long. Comes time for trail, and you usually, let's say, adjust them a little bit because you're hauling some more load. They're probably not going to work beginning of spring, especially if you had a good harsh winter. So just make sure you check things like that before you get out on the trail. Um, just, again, once over. Mm-hmm. And this applies to pretty much everything we're saying would apply to my dad is a perfect example. His razor pretty much sits in his garage all winter long. And then it's like a little bit in April, but come May, it's like time to ride. So same same thing applies for those guys that are, you know, summer summer guys only for your side-by-sides. Um, you know, all that applies. Check all your stuff, like your radius rod bolts, um, shocks, electronics, all that stuff that's just going to sit. Or even if you are somebody that rides all winter long, um, Definitely keep up on the maintenance with that stuff because there's some nasty stuff on the roads. If you're in Idaho, I guess you can't really ride them on the roads in Washington. Yeah. I mean, depends on what part of Idaho because some people just drive their side-by-sides all year long. Year-round, yeah. Yeah. We don't even own a car. You just (laughs) side-by-side everywhere. I don't blame them. It's cheaper. I would if I could. Yeah. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about gear, starting specifically with recovery because that's the one thing that we always love to talk about yeah um and specifically since we are on the topic of vehicle stuff 
winches. I don't have a winch on the Tundra, but I know you and I have both ran winches on our rigs in the past. Mm. And one thing is that I never did until I, I went to Florence, Oregon with AEV and did their, <clears throat> it was kind of like a recovery course and like dunes course, which was really cool. Um, but probably two or three hours of the, the class was just on like weight winch maintenance and stuff yeah and wow if you have not pulled the rope off of your winch on the front of your jeep in more than a couple months it's time to pull it out and clean it because those things get nasty doesn't matter if it's a steel cable or synthetic line especially if it's a synthetic line i should say yeah you need to spool that thing out because a lot of times we're on the trail and you know you got four rigs behind you you're backed up and you you do a quick recovery it didn't exactly spool onto um the the winch correctly and you just hook it up and keep going and forget about it next mm-hmm. time you go to use it it's uh either rusty crusty won't work or it's overlapped over another piece of its line yep um just becomes I was that a real, guy once yeah becomes a real big pain in the butt so that's an excellent point um this is the perfect time to not only check the electrical connections make sure the winch actually works mm-hmm. free spool that thing all the way out Put some some weight on it and spool it back in while you have it out. I should say, wash the line. Yes. Um, simple green. Simple simple, <laughs> simple green. Just man. simple green that whole line. Just put it in a bucket of simple green. It works. Um, the other thing, and again, I know from experience, went winter wheeling with Cooper, didn't go through my checklist. So, uh oh, Kyle stuck. Time to use the winch, and it was the Warren <laughs> Zeon Platinum, which is my favorite winch in the world. It's just the technology, and it's awesome. Made it for very easy recoveries. If you have batteries. If you have, well, had batteries, because their remote is USB rechargeable. Mm. So found the remote. The remote was dead. No problem. Plugged in the USB cord. Boom, I got power. But I did not. Sometimes when those remotes lose power, they lose the connection to the winch itself. So make sure if you are going on a trip, one, you... Either yes, have batteries, because a lot of stuff like the come-up winches run on, I think it's like a little watch battery. Um, But the worn winches, you have to sync that remote to the winch. So here we are, and I'm stuck. I'm completely turtled. And Cooper's like, turn the remote on. I say, yeah, I'm good. And he's like, did you connect it? Is it synced? What? Well, there's a little button on the very back of the winch that you have to hold while you hold the button on the remote to sync them. It's kind of like a Bluetooth connection. Yeah, it's super easy to get to. Super easy to get to when you're in your driveway. Not when you're turtled with a hidden winch mount with snow up to your knees. So we had to end up, it was about a 45-minute ordeal of digging that out. So if you've got a wireless winch, make sure you check that that wireless remote is working along with your wired connection. Don't just plug in your wired remote, run the winch. Make sure you check that wireless one too. Yeah. On that topic, change batteries and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, Radios. Yes. Make sure I carry a ham radio in my rig. Um, I, I just carry a 12-volt charger for it, so I try to make it habitual to, like, once a month I'll plug it in sure. to just the, the 12-volt jack in the, in the vehicle to make sure it's nice and topped off in case if I got a fill from the vehicle, I can grab the ham radio and still have full battery power. Um, but also things like, for example, I keep uh, a little, let's say, bug-out bag. I don't know the right word for it. 72-hour bag, bug-out bag, get-home bag, whatever you want to call it, with headlamps and flashlights and things like that, which I've used more times on the trail because of breakages or something right. like that. So it's things like Love headlamps. at night. 
Exactly. Something like mm-hmm. a headlamp. You're lost in an electrical system in the vehicle. You don't have headlights, taillights, anything, and you need to crawl around underneath a hood or something. Having a headlamp um, with no batteries is, yeah. And then you're, you're standing be there with your flashlight on your phone. I was going to say, you'll be that guy with your phone laying on your chest with the flashlight on. Yeah. It's blinding you and everyone else. Um, and that's <clears> something <throat> to keep in mind, too, because over winter, um, I mean, this really, there's probably people out there that are like, I don't even have winter. I'm just down here in Arizona des- desert, and it never got below 60. So, But if you're up here with us, um, mm-hmm. winter is really hard on batteries. You got yeah. especially heat cycles from going from, really hot days to extremely cold temps overnight kills batteries. So um, keep that in mind. It might be time to go through uh, on that topic and and change all batteries, whether it be flashlights, headlamps, uh, radios, winches, controllers. Mm -hmm. Check them. Um, I just make a note in my phone. Again, I I probably do too much, but um, I just buy batteries in bulk and I do it for example, on like headlamps and things like that, I try to make a note to do it at least once a year on items that I do not use. For right. example, like um, little back battery backup chargers for recharging your phone, mm-hmm. um, headlamps, things like that. I just change them once a year with a quality battery, and that usually has always worked well for me. If you use them all the time, obviously you're going to have to change them more than that. But, right. Yeah. Uh, then your recovery bags. That's the fun stuff, stuff that you use when you're stuck. And it's super fun, and then you just roll it up, put it in a bag, and stick it back in your truck. And you never pull it out until your next recovery. Now's the time to make sure you get that stuff out. Straps, um, tow ropes, shackles, soft shackles. Do a once-over of all of them. Make sure there's no fraying. Um, No major issues there, because now is going to be the time you want to get those replaced. Um, Same with your tools. Go through, if you do have like a a specific set of tools that you carry with you on the trail, perfect example one time I, I had a tool bag that i thought was waterproof <laughs> turns out <laughs> that's it what wasn't, i was just gonna say it wasn't waterproof so sat in the bed of my truck for i don't know probably two months oh, the yeah. time i needed it i opened it up and it, it was like reaching into mud it was so rusty and there was water just sitting in there and it ruined the majority of my tools unfortunately but had i, I checked them on a regular basis i would have been fine a couple pro tips there yeah so toolkits, if it's in a tool bag or maybe a small tool box, like it, it, one of those uh, plastic blow molded cases, that's I have like a cheap mm-hmm. toolkit in there. Uh, in my rig, that's one of the plastic blow molded cases that yeah. open up um, that just organizes it all for you because I don't really carry a ton of tools, but that'll get me by it. It's got the basic stuff. A um, couple tips is if you can get those little silicone bags that take up, suck up moisture, um, like uh-huh. you bought, you get in certain food packages yeah. and stuff. The bigger, the better. Um, especially if you get something like a appliance or something that's got the big little, you know, silicone, big little, big silicone bag. Um, throw that in there if there's room for it. Um, that'll soak up a lot of the moisture, but also things like, you'd be surprised, WD-40. If you spray yeah. down all the tools, um, yes, I understand they're going to be slippery when you grab them, but if you have a <laughs> rag, I'd rather have a, a well lubed slippery wrench than uh, you know a set of pliers that you can't open because they've <laughs> rusted themselves shut especially if you're storing them in the bed of a truck a uh, toolbox something like that where moisture mm-hmm. is getting in and out of it even inside the cab you'd be surprised just the again extremely cold temps and then you start yep. the engine and you get it driving you heat up the cab those cycles will just destroy um, a lot of metal components so keep an eye on that and then 
on top of that, if you want them to never go away or disappear, I think I've said this before, I take something like a fluorescent orange or yellow or whatever, and I paint the end, just a quick spray can over the top of all the tools. Right. And then they're super easy to find, especially in snow, mud, whatever. And they also don't walk away from your buddy taking them because if it's bright orange. <laughs> what color are yours? Orange. I need to get an orange can. There you go. I'm just kidding. Oh, that's mine right there. <laughs> and buy crappy tools so when they do walk away, you're not upset or your buddy takes them. Yeah, but exactly. That's an easy way to, to make sure some of your tools and stuff like that. If you store them separately like a tool bag, and this is, again, mostly to those that store them in like a toolbox uh, in the back of the vehicle. Right. Like a pickup, for example, where <clears throat> they're going to get a lot of moisture mm-hmm. in them. Um, you'd be surprised pulling them out in spring. Like I said, something like a set of needle nose pliers or channel locks or uh, even a monkey wrench or crescent wrench. You won't be able to even yep. get that thing to turn. Yep. Um, I think the last thing we want to chat about is not your gear, but your camping equipment, I guess, if you will. We'll call it that. Your tents, your fridge freezers, your chairs all the comforts the stuff that makes life a little bit easier and more comfortable when you are out on the trail um number one for me is if you have a rooftop tent it stinks open the tent and air it out for a day if you have a weekend saturday you're not going anywhere open the tent open up all the windows take the mattress out of it yeah air that sucker out give it a good cleaning um because usually the first time you open it after having it closed. Oh, I know God. you don't run yours in the winter. I don't run mine in the winter. And, uh, yeah, you go to that first trip, and if you haven't simple greened the inside of it already, <laughs> it's going to yeah. be a little musty. It's a lot musty. Yeah. yeah like a gym bag you just let out. Exactly. And if you're like me, three months. you know, I, I always keep, like, a pillow and multiple blankets in mine when I fold it up and put it away, yep. and I always forget about it. So by the time I open it up, it's like, I boom, here's a load of laundry I got to do before we even go camping because they've been sitting in there. So, um, and little things like that, same on the rooftop tents, check your ladders, check the, my tent. I was notorious for the bolts that connected the ladder to the bottom platform, always rattled loose, um, to the point where I ended up just putting a, um, lock nut on it, hmm. but check all that stuff. Any, anything you've bolted to your tent. Um, or assembled on the tent. Make sure all your poles and everything are in good working order. Um, yeah. The one thing that I find is usually if you're like me and you take your tent on and off, I usually run my tent on during spring, summer, and partial fall. Mm-hmm. But I don't run it all winter because I don't really, I'm not tent camping in 10 degree weather. Right. Um, I mean, I have, but it's not exactly. It's not super fun. <laughs> it's not like my, my favorite thing to do. But I always find it I take the tent off or, the last time we go camping, it's either wet, we got snowfall, and Good then point. You, f- you fold that thing up yep. and then take it off and throw it in the garage yep. or a shop, and then you don't open it until the next trip. It is, yeah, you, you got some stuff growing. You got a little science experiment going on inside of it. This conversation is so, reminding me that I need to open my rooftop tent when I get home because it's been sitting. So what I do <clears> is I... I, I keep it up in my rafters. I'll I'll drop it drop it down before we plan on going for our first trip, and take the the cover off, pressure wash that simple green, <laughs> open up the tent exactly like you said. Take the mattress out, take any of the bedding out. I open all the windows, and if I can, I'll set it outside in the direct sunlight so it can kind of warm up. Right. Um. And then I'll go through the interior and wipe everything down, even for breeze things, just so kind of try to get a 
try to get rid of some of the, the smell and throw a fan inside of it, yeah, a box fan, go. and let it air out for a full day. I, I've done that the last two, three years. Um, a little bit more pleasant of experience. And I would say uh, it's more pleasant, but it's also doing these things are going to help prolong the life of your equipment rather than just not doing them. True. Um, same applies <laughs> to fridge freezers. Yeah. See, I don't have one, but I imagine you can. Ugh, mm. They can get gnarly. I know from experience, um, even on our, our howitzer truck, you know, it'll we'll go on, Cooper and I will go on UA, we'll come back, we're exhausted, we're wiped out, or or even on my personal truck. I'll go out on a long weekend trip, you come back, the last thing you want to do is clean out a fridge. So you're like, I'll get to it tomorrow, maybe you forget about it, next thing you know, six months later, you find a, a green peanut butter and jelly sandwich just sitting mm-hmm. in water or something. But... <clears throat> Yeah. Coolers are always like that for me. <laughs> I always forget to open the drain, and then it's got just a bunch of just right? junk. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely, if you're into overlanding, all these things you need to check. Your fridge freezers, your rooftop tents, and then pull out all your camping gear. Make sure, you know, just like Ash said, when it comes to fluid on your vehicle, make sure you're stocked up on your propane. Make sure your burners are working. Um, you know, pull your Timbo tusks out. Give those a wipe down. Those can kind of get... Cast creepy iron. crawlies on them when you let them sit in a bag for three or four months. Um, yeah. But in general, it's just good to get your hands on all of your gear, pull it out of the bag, set it up like you would at camp, and just make sure everything's in good working order. Yeah, I'd rather do it at home and figure out what I need to go do or yep. if I need to go buy something. Hey, I'm out of propane, I only have enough. Then plan your first trip and have it a complete failure i mean no trip's a failure but it would make you mad to go out and go camping and open up your tent and have some some fungus and then you don't have no propane to cook on and uh, you forgot all your bedding and go get groceries and then go to load them and decide that you just don't even want to open your fridge freezer because it's so disgusting yeah i think we've done it all done it before but learn from our mistakes get under your vehicle check everything Mm -hmm. check fluids check your camp gear check your coolers just do a quick run through um I know you're excited to go out and go camp and explore and do the thing, but just make quality of life things here. Just get through, go yep. through everything. And a lot of these overland rigs too, it's it's a, a like a full day ordeal with all the storage options you have now and all the additions you can put onto your rack. You've got awnings, you've got deck systems, you've got other storage containers, you've got fuel cans, water cans, um, I mean, it, it's take your time, take a weekend, spend the entire day going through all this stuff to make sure there's nothing better when you go out on that first camping trip and everything goes exactly to plan. Yeah. All your gear works. Everything's in working order. Um, plus, for me personally, it's just like a peace a of mind Peace of mind and a bit of relief knowing when I load my wife and kids up and we go hit the trails, it's like no worries whatsoever. It's like that with everything for me. It's totally it, with Every piece of gear I have, whether it be dirt bikes to firearms to vehicles, just making sure that everything's in good working order. Your batteries are up to snuff. Everything's good condition where I know at a moment's notice I can throw the wife and the kids in the truck and we can take off on a trip and it's just peace of mind. Like I don't have to double double guess that mm-hmm. I didn't check that or this fluid might not be there. Um, just make it, again, make it habitual. Get under the vehicle. Do this before your trips. Um quality of life is going to be a little bit better when you do this stuff at home rather than on a trail. And it makes you, it gives you the opportunity too to be a little bit more sporadic. Like if, if you do 
if you are like Ash and I and you got wife and kids, I know a lot of our listeners are because they write in. Um, it's awesome to be able to be like, what are we doing this weekend? Nothing. And then like 10 o'clock on a Saturday morning, we're like, load the kids up. Let's go to our favorite camp in Scott. Like you don't, you don't have to worry about anything. Everything's already done. You don't have to waste any time. You can hop in the truck, go camping for the weekend. And you've got everything you need. I do that with riding too. um, Yeah. With bikes. Like I do all my bike prep work before I, the, I overinflate tires so that when I get to the trail, I can deflate. It's easier to air down than it is to air up. Right. On, I'm talking bikes. I make sure the tanks are completely full. I do a complete once over, new fresh air filters, things like that. Everything's lubricated, ready to go. So when it is time, like, hey, do you want to go ride? We're on our way to go riding in you 20 minutes. Say, Give me four hours. Yeah, I don't <laughs> have to do anything other than throw the bike in the truck and let's go. Right. Preparation makes the dream work. That's what they say. Clip it. <laughs> yeah. Hashtag. Hashtag that. Um, yeah. Anyways, I hope you guys are just as excited as we are uh, to get out on the trail. Um, like we had mentioned on a previous episode, we got a couple trips coming up. Uh, Cooper is on his way to go play around with the full-size invasion guys in San Hollow, so that'll be cool. We'll have some uh, feedback on that. And something I know Ash and I are excited about, along with Cooper, is we are in the process of getting a little uh, portable podcast set up to where we can do some in-cab stuff, um, side-by-sides maybe. I don't know. It's going to get it's gonna get wild. We'll see if our, uh, our IT tech video yeah, he's guy He's just can. loving this right now. <laughs> We're going to come up with all these great ideas, We've got and faith he's going to make it work. We've got faith in you, Corey. He's going to make it happen. Yeah. And because I said it, he has to make it happen now. <laughs> yeah, stay tuned. No, um, no stress here. Yeah, but lots of cool things in the works. But, yeah, we're we're super excited to, yeah, get into spring, get back into the mountains, do some camping, go on some more uh, company trips. And, uh, yeah, maybe, maybe a fireside podcast or two will be in the works here in the very near future. Those are the fun ones. Those are the fun ones. Send in some topics. We need some like really good heated debates. I think our best one yet was Toyota, Toyota versus, Jeep. versus Jeep. That We're was a good going one. At it, so yeah, we need it, something that's give us some some controversial topics. Yeah, the more controversial, the better. Um, something related can... to outdoors. Yeah, <laughs> we're not getting into <laughs> politics or any of that garbage. Um, so yeah, send in your topics if you guys want to do that. Again, you can go to our Instagram, our Facebook. Send us a direct message. Um, we read all of those comments. It's usually Ash that gets them and then he kind of posts it in our little internal group. So we know, uh, to do a topic on it. Secondly, again, you can shoot us an email, Kyle at offroad or Kyle at America's offroad podcast.com. Um, and lastly, if you guys do like what you're listening to, if you like what we're doing, what we're about, and you want to leave us a review, it's very much appreciated. Take a screenshot of that review, send it to that email address. Um, with maybe a picture of your rig, your campsite, what you guys like to do. And uh, we'll maybe get a little something something in the mail for you. Yeah. A little swag, some stickers. Um, it is a sacrifice to the algorithm gods, yes. as I like to say, <laughs> for us to climb the, the ladder. Your your review is very, very much appreciated. It, it really is. And I think all of you guys know, we've said it in the past, this is something we do. For fun, we like doing it. We've had a blast doing it. Engaging with you guys is tons of fun. So, um, And then lastly, one thing you guys can do, if you are new to, say, the podcast realm, um, you can download all of our episodes. So 
We've got uh, 50-ish episodes out, so if you're going on a road trip or you're going up into the mountains and you just want to listen to our wonderful voices, yeah. you can actually go back and physically download all those in Spotify, iTunes, whatever you want. Um, I believe it's free on all platforms to download podcast episodes. I know it is on Spotify. Um, but yeah, you can give us a download, and then it'll be in your phone so you don't even have to have service to listen to the podcast. So you can check that out. Uh, until then, have fun on the trail. Go get that gear prepped. Go through your vehicles and uh, use Simple Green is kind of what we <laughs> took away from this. Simple Green solves everything. <laughs> there we are. <laughs> All right, guys. We'll see you on another episode. Thanks for watching.